I also want to offer my, uh, my celebration of Father's Day and all of what we've already shared today. And in honor of that, I'm beginning my word uh, with a, a dad story. Not my dad. A devout cowboy lost his favorite Bible while he was mending fences out on the range. Can you hear the music, the backdrop of the music? Three weeks later, a cow walked up to him carrying the Bible in its mouth. The cowboy couldn't believe his eyes. He took that precious book from the cow's mouth, raised his eyes heavenward, and explained, it's a miracle. Not really, said the cow. Your name's written inside the cover. Dad joke. One definition of a miracle is a surprising event that's not explainable by nature or scientific laws and is considered to be the work of a divine agency. A surprising event that's not explainable by natural or scientific laws and is considered to be the work of a divine agency. When God's spirit came into the world in an event called Pentecost, a new dimension of miraculous became possible. God now was intimately a part of us, intimately a part of us. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful to have that knowledge that God loves me, loves you enough, that God came to us in an intimate way that we could know God even in a nearer, closer way. I don't know about you, but I find myself praying for miracles more often than I used to. How about you? It used to be miracle prayers were reserved for the needs of others, mostly having to do with medical issues. In our lives today, we deal with significant problems, and one of which is tremendous division in the world. Tremendous division within our culture. It seems like we need some miracles, some big miracles, if we're going to find our way forward. But when it comes to God, we sometimes wonder just what is okay to ask for. Can we ask for a miracle? Can we ask for those kinds of miracle? Should we believe God cares and cares enough to help us? Some of our current needs are quite large, aren't they? Will God meet us in our need? Even if you haven't really been paying too much attention on the world around you, you've noticed the challenges that we're facing, the risks that are popping up in every facet of our society. Monday's annual remembrance of Juneteenth reminds us of how divided we can be and how truly lost we can become. There's division between rich and poor, between conservative and liberal. We are divided among political affiliations and racial lines and religious convictions. We're facing these chasms in every part of our lives and in our relationships with one another. And it's not just that we are divided in so many ways, we're also very malicious to those who stand on the other side. We act as if we are better because of what we believe or what our lot in life is. Even 
as we compete around sports teams, it can become cruel and crazy. There are so many examples in our world, aren't there? It can become scary because it is at times very awful. It's heartbreaking, isn't it, at times when we see the division that happens. It's especially hurtful to me as we see that infiltrating faith communities where we are claiming to be focused on God, focused on the principles of faith, and yet we let those divisions separate us. Maybe we need a miracle. A God who cares, who comes to us in ways that will help us go forward. When the Apostle Paul was writing his first letter to the Corinthians, as we heard read this morning, Paul was dealing with a divisive problem in Corinth. The Corinthian church had fallen into a worldly trap of creating a hierarchy within its membership. Some people were setting themselves above others, and it caused all kinds of problems. It turns out the younger Christians in Corinth had placed a high premium on one of the spiritual gifts. Those gifts that God had promised to give to the church and its members to help the church grow and to be sustained which was meant to help, became divisive. Sound familiar? Some of that early Corinthian church were of the view that a few of these spiritual gifts were more important than others. They perceived hierarchy of gifts created a hurtful division in that first century church, but Paul wasn't having it. And he writes this letter to encourage them to stop and think about that, find that place where they are and wonder where they need to go forward. The Corinthian church was divided. But friends, the church was never meant to be divided. The church was intended to be like Jesus himself, continuing to work united in the world, one body serving God and doing good for Christ's sake. Through the power of the Spirit, the church was created to be, as we have suggested many times, God's hands and feet in the world. But for that to work, it takes cooperation and harmony. The feet doing the walking, the hands doing the reaching and the healing, the mouths doing the encouraging and teaching. Without any one of these parts, the church work is completely incomplete. Every gift used for the common good, a gift of the Spirit, no more, no less. Important, as all the gifts are important. It's a helpful reminder for us that like the gifts, we too are all needed to be the change God desires in the world, that we desire to see in the world. It takes all of us mustering our gifts, mustering our willingness together, encouraged by community to see the changes we desire. For the Corinthians, it was division about what was truly spiritual. In the present day, churches divide over all kinds of things. We could play fill in the blank for an hour. The problem is that the church shouldn't be like the culture around it, especially when the culture is terribly divided. The church is intended to be a united front, reflecting God's love and grace and mercy, pursuing wholeness and unity in the world, right? 
A few weeks ago, we celebrated Pentecost, an essential day in the life and history of Christianity and the Christian church. Just as Christmas celebrates Christ's birth and Easter, Jesus' resurrection, remember Pentecost. Pentecost is the day that marks the coming of God's spirit amongst Jesus' followers. Before Jesus went to heaven after his death and resurrection, Jesus promised his followers that he would not leave them as orphans, but that he would send a companion to be with them forever. Well, that's precisely what happened on that first Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit has been this companion for us, for Jesus' followers ever since. A promised gift by Jesus, this companion to be with us, to help us understand these spiritual gifts and to live out those spiritual callings. When God gave the Holy Spirit to that first gathering of followers, it was God's Spirit given to the individual, to the individual believers, but intended for the whole church. As recorded in the book of Acts, the history of the early church, the story of Pentecost tells us that when the day of Pentecost arrived, the believers were all together in one place. Did you hear that? They were all together. And what we heard read this morning from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it's that the power of the Holy Spirit was revealed most clearly and how it united Jesus' followers. Paul's metaphor in that passage of the body with many parts is so good, isn't it? It can be so helpful for us to imagine what that looks like as we do community together. It's so easy for us to see in our mind's eye the picture of a body working together in harmony. The ears listening to the sounds as the eyes take in the surroundings, the brain processing the information, and the hands writing out what they see and experience, and the mouth speaking, sharing the experiences with one another. But we can also imagine a body falling apart, can't we? Because uh, without any one part of our body, the whole life experience becomes a challenge. I read this the other day. It's like the symphony orchestra. There are so many pieces to an orchestra. There are stringed instruments like violins and cellos. Then there are wind instruments like oboes and trombones and the tuba. Then there are percussion instruments, my favorite, which can include everything from marimba to the snare drum to timpani. When great composers like Bach or Beethoven composed their symphonies, they did so with all these instruments in mind. The music wouldn't sound right if you only had a tuba and a triangle, although I'd love to hear that song. And you might hear the melody of the violin and trumpet, but you will miss out all the wonderful nuances intended by the composer without the contributions of the violas and the bassoons and other instruments. Only when the instruments are working together do we hear the wonderful music the composer intended. Good metaphor, huh? And that, says Paul, is how the body of Christ, the church, must work too. In an, in an orchestra, it's the conductor that directs each of the instrumentalists in their various parts. When it comes to the church, it's God's spirit that desires to hold us together 
and direct our work, leading us through the use of these gifts for the common good. Paul was speaking to a specific church at a particular time, but this lesson can be heard today as well, can't it? Paul in his letter went straight to the core issue, reminding the Corinthians that among those who follow Jesus, no one person is better than the other for any reason. Each person has gifts from the Spirit. Everyone receives these spiritual gifts, not just the elite few. We would do well to help identify and then encourage each other to use these special gifts. We all have talents and abilities, but followers of Jesus also have these gifts gifts of the Spirit to expend for the good of the world. In the church, we must remember that all gifts are God-given. No one has done anything extra to deserve them. God, gifts are not merit badges for holiness or signs of additional approval from God. No, God gave the spiritual gifts in response to the needs of the church and the greater community. Don't you think that suggests that each person, each member of the community has value and worth, and each person is an essential part of the church, even the church. It strongly suggests that each of us should seek to discover our gifts and commit to expressing them for the good of the community around us. These holy gifts are meant to unite us and enhance us as they are used for, as Paul said, the common good. What if we asked ourselves, what are our gifts? Where are we expressing these gifts in our and through our life? Because you and I are both needed if we're going to make a dent in these issues we face in the world. We're going to need a gift from God, a miraculous intervention by God, empowering us, encouraging us, uniting us if we're going to make a dent. This Sunday, remembering the gift of Pentecost, we should celebrate the variety of ways the Spirit works among each of us. And then we could help each other discover our gifts and validate them when we see them expressed. We could look joyfully at our amazing brothers and sisters around us today. We could celebrate the different ways God creates each of us and thus connects us by God's power. We could give thanks for the numerous gifts by which we can serve God and each other. And above all, we could be thankful to God who promises to hold us together if we would invite the work within us. In the Gospel of Mark, we are reminded of God's desire for us. Mark said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment, no commandment greater than these. Friends, can we remember that love is a lifestyle we must cultivate? Love is an action. It's a choice to love people and show them mercy. Often it's tough. We want to judge and condemn and look down on others. We've all been hurt and even at times rolled over by this life, which motivates us sometimes to think that way. And so our natural reaction is to reject, to judge, to condemn, and think badly about someone. But we can change. The Apostle Paul suggests 
that we welcome these gifts amongst us, for they will offer us the power we need to show up differently. Let's remember together that love is the authentic lifestyle of a Jesus follower. It's truly what it's all about. Let's together discover and use our spiritual gifts every day, but make sure every interaction has a generous helping of love mixed in. It will take a miracle to see the changes we desire. But then the God we know is in the miracle business.